Thank you so much. Beloveds, it is good to be together. It is good to be on this sacred ground that doesn't belong to us. It's good to be in this building that has held so much. Hello? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay. It's good to be in the presence of all who have come to this place who may not be able to be with us um, in body, but are with us in spirit. All of the ancestors who have been part of this space, this sacred ground, this earth around here, as well as all of the members past and present, the ministers past and present, all who have made this church go. And and to be standing under the stars always. It is good to be together. It is good to be together to continue to challenge ourselves and each other in a covenantal community, to move purposefully into action and service in the name of love, justice, equity, and peace. Yes, we're reminded especially, especially today, this day before Labor Day, that it is good to be together. It's good to be together to remember to continue to labor in our loving, informed response to frustrations and violence to remember to plan our responsible actions in community. This is our reason to be together here at Hope Unitarian Universalist Church. Learning about our faith, growing in our faith, and living our faith which is exactly why I look forward to participating in most every year at our annual Unitarian Universalist Summer Gathering, formerly known as SWUSI, the Southwest UU Summer Institute, and more recently named The Point. In July, not so very long ago, I engage with colleagues and congregants from as far away as Tennessee and Kentucky and Florida, and I heard someone came from the D.C. area. It was amazing. As I've been reflecting upon this UU immersion experience, my meditation focused upon the point. Would not go out of my head. So yes, exactly. What is the point? Let's start with what. What is the point? What is at the heart of everything? In today's story, the people of the tiny village, including the king and the count and even Oblio's parents, believed that the point is the point. 
After all, everyone's head was pointed, except for Oblio's. So having a point must be the most important thing. You might laugh at something like that or wonder what the big deal is. But isn't this a case best illustrated by the Buddhist observation of how we mistake our finger that points to the moon as the moon itself? While I was immersed in all that is our UU week of growing together, I practiced paying attention. And isn't that the very thing that Oblio practiced in the story? Paying attention to what is the point, which is why I'm observing what. Observing includes more than seeing. Observing is more like studying, taking in what is being presented. For example, am I regarding the people around me with more than a quick assessing glance? Is my reception of the people I encounter more of a quick checking of mental boxes? Gender, check. Ethnicity, check. Height, check. Age, check. Facial expression, check. Or, am I noticing their context? How they are carrying themselves? how they are engaging with others or not around them? Am I more like the villagers in the story, looking for a person's point? You see, what is the point? We're not creatures separate and apart from each other. We cannot survive without our entire planetary environment. We couldn't even exist without coming from someone and something. Therefore, by virtue of our deep, deep interconnectedness, we move to the is. What is the point? While what is at the heart of everything is moves us, animates us, engages us. Oblio engages with Arrow, his pointer, as it were. Me and my arrow, you know this, straighter than narrow. Everywhere we go, everyone knows it's me and my arrow. Oblio and his arrow travel. They explore. They engage in curiosity, wonder, and joyful expectancy. They risk. 
Oblio together with Aero, who loves him, respects him, and accepts Oblio in his entirety. Together, they risk a life of adventure and discovery. They risk learning things that might be scary and sad, right along with learning amazing things. Is a state of being and an invitation to keep moving on. Then, as do Oblio and Arrow, we move toward the. When we're honest with ourselves, we skip right past the, don't we? After all, the is merely an article, the part of speech that helps identify something. Wait a minute. What's the big deal? Aren't we being a bit too, well, intellectual? I think not. Without the, something would simply be ordinary. It would be a thing, nothing special. On the contrary, the... Now that connotes a special existence. Worthy of pausing and taking note. Paying attention. Honoring. Respecting. As in the song. As in the Unitarian Universalist Association, as in the Hope Unitarian Universalist Church, as in the Church of the Restoration Unitarian Universalist. Yes, the is remarkable. Not just any old whatever. The is something important as is invites us to move and engage. The says, look, pay attention. Now here's the deal. Me and my arrow, taking the high road. Wherever we go, everyone knows it's me and my arrow. Yes, friends, we are taking the high road. We kind of had to to get to this place, right? (laughs) We're taking the high road along with Oblio and Arrow, and we are reaching the point, the object of our attention and our concern. It's kind of a big deal. Because as Oblio and Eero show the village and also show us, the point is everywhere and nowhere. The point is how we live and move 
and have our being. The point is as simple and as difficult as that. Right now, with the overwhelm of so many voices proclaiming and so many fingers pointing, we are mostly focusing our attention on the fingers. It's only too easy to lose sight of the moon and its illumination. It can seem so very important to make certain that every single person sees our particular point. This is the point we virtually shouted each other on our social media of choice. This is the actual point we try so hard to convince each other of. We try so very hard and with the best of intentions. We are, after all, engaged in a life-saving duel to the death. But as we keep jabbing our fingers at each other, we are virtually poking each other's eyes out. How can we see the point when we are too blind to see our own pointy heads? How and when? How can we see the point when we are so disconnected? And when was a life ever saved by killing? Oh, my best beloveds, Oblio and Arrow show us that all of this earnest and anxious preservation of what we perceive as the only way is simply not the only way. There are many ways that lead to the point. And we all know the point. We come from it. We spend our whole lives seeking it. We come together in our various ways of being to remember who we are and how we are interconnected and what gives our presence meaning, purpose, hope, and joy. As it was in the beginning, is now until the end, there is love. There is love. If ever there was a time to remember the point it is now, if ever there was a time to support each other in reminding ourselves and each other that our covenant is not simply something we say on Sunday in worship, but rather that our covenant is a solemn, holy promise 
of how we intend to live together. The time to remember our covenant is now. And what is the covenant? You said it earlier. Love is the spirit of this church. Love. Love, church. We say this aloud and together for a reason. Love grounds us. Love centers us. Love guides us. And since we're human, and we come from generations and generations and generations of ancestors who were also human, we share in both the capacity to love and the capacity to forget what love means or to twist its meaning to fit our purposes, our point. This all-too-human tendency was very much at issue way, way back during the divisiveness of the emerging religious group that came to call themselves Christians. There was so much infighting and fighting with other factions of those who considered themselves to be the followers of Jesus that the traveling teacher and church planter Paul wrote many letters encouraging and exhorting them to remember the point. Love. Here, his very pointed definition of love. You may be familiar with it. It's the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians in the Christian text, and I'll be reading to you from the New International Version. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, languages, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as if in a mirror. Then, we shall see face to face. Now, I know in part. Then, I shall know fully as I am fully known. And now, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I realize that many of us in this room might be more familiar with this so-called love chapter as a reading included in wedding ceremonies. And yes, it's good and right to remind the bride and groom, as well as their families and friends, that love is patient, love is kind, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Remember the context. Paul wrote this to the congregation in Corinth. And we covenant together saying, love is the spirit of this church. So, as we practice with each other, we are promising, we are committing ourselves to practice all of our relating in that way in all circumstances. We're talking practicing healthy, loving boundaries here. We're talking making a way out of no way because surely we are beginning to grasp that there have always been times like these that people we know and love have been suffering indignities, injustices, and wrongful deaths for a long, long time. Any feelings of guilt 
or shame or attempts at winning the game of who suffers more than whom simply do not have a place in our commitment, our promise, our covenant to love. As Paul attempted to instruct those who would be Christians, all behaviors to the contrary of our covenant to love are about making ourselves feel better and are not anywhere close to loving others. In fact, such actions are not loving toward ourselves. The more time we spend accusing others and truly, in so doing, accusing ourselves, we are completely missing the point. We are missing the love that we need to survive. We are wasting precious time and energy. We're trying so hard to be right that all we can possibly do is look at the finger instead of gazing at the beautiful illumination in the heavens. Mother Teresa, who is now St. Teresa of Calcutta, practiced what she preached. Practiced. I'm not saying she was perfect. It is from her place of difficult and challenging practice that she says, love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action, and that action is service. Whatever form we are, able or disabled, rich or poor, it's not how much we do, it's how much love we put in the doing. A lifelong sharing of love with others. Church, I am so grateful to be sharing with you in our Unitarian Universalist Ministry of Love in the service of justice, equity, hope, peace, and joy. Grateful for all the ways that Hope Church continues to risk making new connections and making old connections new through celebrations, service, and opening, opening, opening your hearts, your building, your walls. I'm especially grateful that as you use together, we are holding each other accountable as we practice living the love that we profess, that we are always learning to speak the language of love in order to embrace the actual nature of our being that of being one body, one with all humans, one with all beings, one with the entire planet, one with the universe. We are engaged in a risky business, this business of learning to love and be loved. What is the point? 
the heart of everything that invites us to engage, to risk, and to move toward the essence of life. As it was in the beginning, is now until the end, there is love. There is love. May it be so. Thank you.